Hello, everybody. It's Hello. time for service. Thanks for showing up. Yeah, you click the button. We're proud of you. <laughs> hey, um, so we've got a lot of things going on here. Definitely check out our app uh, to see all the different things that are happening. And we are in this joy series. We are still in it. I think we're, what are we on, week five? I don't know. It's I just down, down <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> the joy, joy. Um, but hey guys, uh, we were able to connect with a really cool family uh, that attends here at Christ Unity and just kind of walk with them through their season of joy right now. So take a look at this. Um, my name is Andy Cassidy and this is my wife, Emily. Noah is five and Jackson is a year and a half, about a year and a half. So when you think about joy, you know, for me it was just thinking happy, if you're having a good time. Um, but for me, it's more delight, I think, is what we've kind of talked about and how to impart that into our children the way that God delights in us. How can we then take this into our parenting? And it's hard. <laughs> we don't always get it right. The Lord created you for relationship with Him because He delights in you. And that is the key for us to be with each other too. Um, even the relational stuff, you know, we've, we've started framing our words differently. You know, to a five-year-old, he's not gonna understand like, I bring you joy as opposed to like, I love being your mom. That means so much to me that I get, I was chosen to be your mom. We do a lot of silly stuff. Um, we call them adventures. That's our thing. When people ask what we do, we, we say we adventure. It's not what you think, right? You yeah. think adventures and you're like, oh, cool, you guys go exploring and cool. you take a bunch of sweet hikes. Like, this is Colorado, right? That's not our, our adventures, right? Our, our adventures are more like life adventures, right? We, we, it could be like eating dessert for breakfast. I mean, it could just be going to Ikea and eating meatballs and literally filling up a bag full of candy. What it showed us is how to enjoy each other and how to play again and bring that back into an everyday aspect. It's just spending the quality time together. I would have to say this past year and not even COVID related, um, we've walked through the heaviest year, I think, of our being adults, being married, and being parents. We've just, we had some heavy things, but looking back, I think it doesn't feel as heavy because I think we really leaned on the Lord a lot, and we really tried to find the joy in the small things, and that for us was family, and really spending the time um, enjoying one another, and, and made sure that we knew what was important. And it, I think, definitely brought us through. I feel like that's the joy, like, that we feel from Christ, right? When you're in that spot, in that place, you still have that inkling of Christ, of, of Christ's joy that can still make you go, okay, there's still something there to find joy in. Well, I just, I think it goes back to knowing that He delights in us no matter what. 
Hey everyone, so glad you are joining us today. I loved that video of a family in our church talking about their experience of joy. We are in the midst of a teaching series in which we're focusing on the theme of joy, how we can experience joy no matter what is happening around us. So today and next week, I want to explore together an often neglected but incredibly powerful aspect of joy, and that is how joy can impact our relationships, our marriage, our parenting, our workplace, our friendships. Every relationship in our lives can be positively impacted by joy. As as we've been saying throughout this series, both neuroscience and the Bible reveal to us that joy is relational. Joy is what we experience when we are delighted in by someone. Joy is the experience of having someone's face light up to see us. Every human being is created by God with this longing to be seen, to be valued, to be delighted in. And what we've been discovering in this series is that ultimately, we we ultimately find that in our relationship with God. Because of Christ's work on the cross, we are delighted in by God. His face is turned towards us. He is for us. We are his beloved children. And in that place of delight, we experience a deeper connection to him. We experience a deeper attachment to him. So being delighted in by God has this profound impact on our relationship with God. Now, here's what is so powerful about this. This same dynamic applies to our relationship with other people. We have this amazing privilege of delighting in other people, of letting our face shine on other people. And the relational impact of this simple act is incredibly significant. It literally pours joy into people. Think about that for a moment. By the simple act of delighting in someone, we are stirring joy within them. They feel valued. They feel seen, they feel delighted in, and it stirs within them a deeper experience of joy. This is like a superpower we all have to go around pouring joy into the people around us. I mean, can you think of anything more needed in our hearts and lives, in the hearts and lives of people today than a greater experience of joy? A friend of mine told me about a comic strip that he saw the other day where someone was complaining about something and the other person said, I'm sorry, but my complaint bucket is full. You know, I think that's how a lot of people feel today, that this world is not very kind to our hearts. It is so easy to feel criticized, to feel less than, to feel ignored and unnoticed, which creates a huge leak in a person's experience of joy. But as beloved sons and daughters of God, we have the privilege of sealing up that leak and pouring joy into every person we come across. And it doesn't require a counseling degree or some high-level Bible knowledge. No, all it takes is us choosing to delight in someone, to smile at them, to let our face light up when we see them. That simple act pours joy into people. But there's another relational impact as well. As we mentioned a moment ago in talking about our relationship with God, when we delight in someone, 
that person experiences a greater level of attachment to us, a greater level of connection to us. I mean, we all have experienced this at various times in our lives. I mean, think of that uncle or aunt or that teacher that you felt a special connection with. What was it that made you feel connected to them? Was it their vast knowledge of some subject? Probably not. I'm guessing it was the fact that they saw you. They took an interest in you. They were glad to see you when you came to visit or when you stopped by their office. I remember a chemical engineering professor that I had in college. I hated chemical engineering. I'm not sure why I stayed in that major for over three years, but you know, I didn't understand anything from those classes I was taking. But this one professor found out that I played golf and he enjoyed golf. So he found out I played golf and so he took a special interest in me. And I felt this connection to him, not because he was this super intelligent engineer, but because he delighted in me. The simple act of delighting in someone or smiling at someone, letting them know you're glad to be with him, that simple act can pour life into that person. It can pour life into our relationships, which is why over and over again in the Bible, we see God urging us to love others this way. I mean, look at Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1, where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Well, what is God's example? Well, he delights in us. We've been looking at that for several weeks. He delights in us. So Paul says that we are to follow that example by delighting in others. Now, not only do we have commands like this in scripture, we also have some amazing examples of people who lived this way, who practiced this art of delighting in people. For instance, we have the apostle John. I mean, John was always talking about love, right? Love one another and all that. Well, in one of his letters, second John, where he again exhorted his friends to walk in love, he closes his letter with these words. Check this out. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. I love this. John is saying, look, I have a lot more I could say in a letter, but what I really want is to see you face to face to delight in being with you. And when that happens, John says, our joy will be made full. Our joy will be increased. It will be complete. John intuitively knows that joy is relational. There is something in the face-to-face interaction that stirs joy and relational connection. Now, the apostle Paul demonstrates this heart as well. When you look at the letters of Paul, contained in the New Testament, you see this relational joy permeating them. I mean, Paul delighted in the people to whom he was writing. He often talked about how he longed to see them, how he held them in his heart. For instance, in Philippians 1, he writes, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. See, notice the delight that Paul is expressing in this letter to these people. He sees them through the lens of value and joy. 
And that, that heartbeat comes out in his writing. I mean, it's no wonder that Paul had such a profound impact, not only on these people, but on the entire world. He was a key player in the gospel advancing after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Paul's life and his letters exuded a joyful delight in people, which created this wonderful relational attachment that enabled him to speak into their lives and stir their love for Jesus. We all need this. We all need this. We all have broken places in our lives where we don't feel loved and valued. We not only need the love of God to heal that, we also need the love of others to heal that. We need people around us who say to us, I am glad to be with you. I delight in you. It is great to see you. And then we can be conduits of that healing to others. We can be that person who says, I see you. I value you. I'm so glad to be with you. Now, before we get a little bit more practical in terms of how we can grow in this, I want us to look at one other example of this in the Bible, this incredibly powerful example. In Acts chapter 2, we see how 3,000 people, 3,000 people heard the gospel and came to know Christ, and they immediately began meeting together. And one of the things that characterized the relational dynamic happening in that environment was joy. Look, Look with me at this passage. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God. I mean, these people are filled with joy, with relational joy. They are meeting together. They're eating together with glad and sincere hearts. They are delighting in each other and in what God is doing in their midst. And here's what is so powerful. Look at the impact of this joy. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this kind of relational joy is contagious. People were coming to Christ because they were drawn to this joy. I mean, we all realize this. People are drawn to joy. We're drawn to joy. This is how God made us. This is how God's mission moves forward by his people exuding the joy of delighting in others. You know, when when I look at this passage in Acts 2 and compare it with Christianity in America today, you know, I wonder if this is the primary reason why our evangelistic impact is at an all-time low. We think it's because we're not bold enough or articulate enough or we're not standing firmly enough on the truth. But what if the ultimate reason is because we're not joyful enough? Can you imagine the impact in our society if instead of being known for our anger and our fear and our political passions, we were primarily known for our joy? Can you imagine the impact if the primary perception and experience 
that non-believers had with Christians was that of being delighted in, being seen, being valued. Now, someone may say, well, what about the truth? Well, well, look, joy is not the enemy of truth. Joy is like the honey that draws people to want to discover the truth about Jesus. If our knowing Jesus doesn't make us joyful, why would anyone else want to know him? When we exude what the church in Acts 2 naturally exuded, the joy of delighting in people, people are going to be drawn to Jesus in droves because every person longs to be delighted in. They long to be valued. And when we do that, we become a conduit for them to experience a God who delights in them. I mean, this has this, this whole topic has Jesus all over it. All right, so let's spend some time talking about what this looks like in practical terms. We talked a few weeks ago about the blessing in Numbers 6, the book of Numbers chapter 6, where we read that God's face shines on us. In other words, he smiles at us. Well, as we saw earlier, the Bible says that we are to love others the way he loves us. So one really simple and practical way to do this is to smile. It's to smile, increase our face value, right? It's to let our face light up when we see someone. It is to let our countenance be joyful when we encounter someone. In in previous weeks of this series, we've talked about how powerful a smile is in a baby's life. When that child looks up and sees that they are delighted in, I mean, that experience literally grows their joy capacity. And we never outgrow that desire to be delighted in, which is why it can be so powerful when our face lights up when our child walks in the room or when our grandchild comes to visit or when a fellow employee stops by our office or a neighbor comes to our door or when we greet the checkout person at the grocery store. I mean, what what nonverbal vibe are we giving off to people? I mean, just in the way we look at them. And what impact is that having on them? I remember years ago when we started our Kids Hope mentoring program at a nearby elementary school. And and by the way, many of you have signed up to be mentors, which is awesome. Way to go. But I, I was watching years ago as we were just being introduced to this program. I was watching an intro video that Kids Hope had put together that talks about the power of loving relationships in the lives of at-risk children. Um, And I'll never forget a comment made by a principal of an elementary school who was asked by a pastor how his church could make an impact in the lives of children in his school. And this principal said, if your people would just walk by our school during recess and smile at a child it would make an impact. Now, at the time, I thought that seems a little overstated. But now I realize that is not overstated at all. It's biblical. That is biblical. Our countenance, our face communicates so much 
Joy is primarily communicated in the face. So when our face lights up, when we smile, when we see someone, that actually has a neurological impact on that person's experience of joy because they feel seen, they feel valued, they feel delighted in, and it pours the fuel of joy into their very being. Look, this is why dogs are so much better than cats. I mean, can I just have an amen out there? Okay, when, when I come home and, and open the door, there are two dogs that are so happy to see me. They are jumping up and down, their tails are wagging, they're, they're prancing around like I'm the most important person in the world. And it makes me feel joy. No matter what kind of day I've had, seeing their delighted faces does something in my brain. It, it releases positive chemicals that fuel joy. Now, when we had a cat, and we did for a while, when we had a cat and I came home, the only response I would get would possibly be the cat slowly turning his bored face my direction. We don't have a cat anymore. <laughs> we don't have a cat anymore. I need joy, not contempt. I drove by a church last week who had this huge sign out in front of their building. The sign read this, Lord, help me be the person my dog thinks I am. Now that's something to aspire to, right? Uh, but seriously, we all can think of examples of how this works in our lives. We know how we feel when someone is glad to see us. Versus when someone looks at us, you know, and completely barely looks at us or ignores us or, or they look at us and they sigh or they turn away or whatever. We know the difference. We've felt it. We've experienced it. And it's not just in their face. It's also in their words and in their tone of voice. I still remember how a friend of mine years ago would always answer the phone when I called him. He would always answer by saying, hey, Alan, what's up? And I remember how that made me feel. It made me feel like he was in a hurry and needed me to get, my, get to the point like I was intruding on his schedule and that he was only concerned about what I wanted or needed from getting right to the point, what I wanted or needed from him. It made me intuitively, it made me intuitively feel distant from him. It made me stop wanting to call him which raises this question, are we unintentionally communicating to people the opposite of joy? Are we more like a cat in our relationships or like a dog? Now, because so much of this is nonverbal, we may not even be aware of how we're coming across. I mean, this is something that I have to work on. My, my natural look is a pretty serious look. I have this intense eyebrow thing that's kind of my default look. Um, and I just am now, I'm just now realizing how, how, this, how that, that serious look can unintentionally negatively impact people and relationships. Now, I don't, I don't want that. I mean, there is incredible power in our countenance. I've noticed this with my son, Josh who is 20 years old, he lives with us, he has um, some significant special needs. But when I intentionally choose to smile at him and to have my face light up when he walks in the room or when I see him, man, that has an immediate and positive impact on him and on our relationship. And when I choose to not smile, 
to just do my default look or whatever, it, it comes across as a scowl and it communicates to him disappointment. In those moments, I can feel his heart closing to me. I can feel it. This is just, and this is just nonverbal stuff that's happening. And yet the impact is profound. How would your relationship with your children, for instance, be impacted by you choosing to delight in them when you see them or when they enter into a room or when they call? I've talked with a number of couples who are experiencing some challenges with an adult child and the choices that their child is making. And it's, it's excruciatingly difficult for them as parents to know what to do or say when they disagree with what their adult child is doing. But one thing, as we talk about this stuff, and there are no easy answers, but one thing I consistently try to encourage them to do is to continue to delight in your child. Continue to delight in them. Because what happens in this situation is that we can get so focused on wanting to share the truth with our opinion or what we think, whatever, our, the truth, all that. We, we can get so focused on wanting to share the truth that we end up unintentionally and repeatedly communicating disappointment, that we're disappointed in them, which impacts the relationship. So by choosing to lead with delight, it creates a deeper relational connection, which in the long term will have the greatest impact. This can have a huge impact on our marriage. Another example, on our marriage. Imagine the impact in our marriages. If, if, we, if we just chose to smile when we see our spouse, if we chose to make eye contact and to let our face show that we are glad to be with them, instead of the stone face that basically says, you again? <laughs> so, I mean, it is so easy in a marriage. It's so easy to get out of the habit of this. I mean, when we were dating, it was natural. Our face lit up whenever we saw this person. But over time, we have this tendency to stop doing this. Well, what kind of an impact would it have if we started that up again? If we were more intentional with our smiles and our delight. What impact would that have on your marriage? Let me point out that there are two really easy to read books on our resource list related to these two areas. One's focused on cultivating a joy-filled marriage, and the other is focused on raising joy-filled kids. And I highly recommend those resources. You can find them on our resource page on our app as uh, related to this series. Well, this delight principle can also impact our dating life. It can impact our relationships with a, a room, a relationship with a roommate or a teammate or a fellow employee, as well as any other relationships in our lives. There is something incredibly winsome about being a person who delights in others. I remember hearing someone talk about an experience they had in the hospital as they were recovering from some procedure. And there was one nurse in particular who was very grumpy and cold. And, and this person, this patient in the, in the room, she didn't really like this nurse very much. Um, and so she reciprocated with a coldness of her own, right? But at one point, you know, she's a believer in Jesus. At one point she thought, I'm going to try a different strategy. So the next time Nurse Grumpy entered the room, this person's face lit up and she smiled at this nurse 
and she expressed interest in her life and how she was doing. She began to delight in this nurse whenever she saw her. And over the course of that few days, the whole relational dynamic shifted. This nurse became more joyful and more attentive to this person's medical needs. Delight is contagious. It is contagious. It pours life into our relationships. It stirs up both joy and also a deeper connection, a deeper attachment with this person. Again, it's like, it's like a relational superpower that we all have. We all have this superpower. I used to teach high school, high school math. And I remember reading various studies that um, were done that showed how a teacher's attitude toward a student impacted that student either positively or negatively, depending on whether the teacher delighted in that student or didn't delight in that student. And these studies show, some of these studies show that if a teacher, before she ever met a student, if a teacher was told good things about a student rather than negative things, even if that student was challenging and a struggle, but if that teacher was told good things about that student, about a challenging student coming into their class, that student often performed better in their class. It, it changed the whole attitude, Why, atmosphere. Why? Because the teacher had a more positive attitude towards that student. They delighted in that student, and that student felt more connected. They felt more motivated. I had someone this past week after church tell me a story about how in high school she had this auditory learning disability, but she wasn't diagnosed, so she didn't realize it, but she, she had this. And, 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 and so what part of the impact of this is that she did really poorly on tests. Um, so in one of her classes, her teacher would always review for the test by playing, having the class play Jeopardy. And whenever they would play Jeopardy, she would nail the, she would answer all the questions right. And she would, she would nail it. Um, and, and, but then she would, a few minutes later, take the test and fail it. So one day he pulled her aside and he just said, hey, would it help if I read the test questions to you, instead of you trying to read it and, and write, you know, and answer it that way, would it help if I read the questions to you? And she said, I, you know, I think so. And so, so he did. She aced the test. So he then told all the other teachers. He let all the other teachers know about her situation and told them to read the tests to her. She graduated with honors. She graduated with honors, all because someone saw her and delighted in her enough to explore what was really going on, rather than assuming that she was a difficult student or that she didn't have the intellectual ability needed. Man, I, I, I wonder how many of the people we run across in a typical day feel like they're not delighted in that they're not noticed, they're not seen, they're not valued. We live next door to them. We sit next to them in class. We work alongside them. We serve them in our job. We see them at the grocery store. We may even sleep in the same bed or live in the same home. People all around us whose that people are all around us whose insecurity bucket is full and whose delight bucket is running on empty. 
we have this amazing privilege, friends. We have the privilege of pouring into their joy bucket through the power of delight. Now, look, I realize that even though this is a simple concept, it is not easy to do, especially when this person is really irritating or frustrating or pushing all of our buttons. Well, next week, we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can still experience joy in the midst of those kinds of difficult relationships. But let me just remind us of something. We have a God who delights in us in spite of our selfishness and our irritating habits. So it is out of the, uh, the unlimited res- reservoir, really, of God's love and delight in us. It's out of that reservoir of his love for us that we can choose to delight in others, to smile at them, to forgive them, to value them. And here's the miraculous thing that often happens. In doing so, we not only pour joy into their lives, God often begins to change our heart toward them. We begin to see them the way God does. Because remember, he delights in them as well. Friends, joy is contagious. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's spread it around through this simple power of delight. All right, let's pray together. So, Father, I pray that you would quiet our hearts right now. That you would quiet our hearts, bring our minds to peace as we respond to you. So, I want to invite you, as you're watching, engaging in this, watching or listening or engaging in this, I want, to, I want you to invite, I want to just lead you in a little a practice here. So first of all, I want to I want you to begin by taking a delight pause, which we talked about a few weeks ago. So I, I want you just to take a moment and 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 let yourself be delighted in by God. You may see him, maybe you see Jesus, just envision Jesus in front of you, or maybe you just sense him, but just sense or see his smile, his delight in you. And take a few moments to just enjoy that. That God loves you. He sees you. He values you. His face is toward you because of Jesus. Just experience that. Okay, in this place of being delighted in, now what I want you to do, I want you to think of someone in your life that you have not been delighting in the way you could. Maybe it's someone at work, someone in your family, someone in your life. You've not been delighting in them the way you could. What would it look like for you to begin delighting in this person, to smile when you see them, to be glad when they stop by, or when they walk into a room. 
So, Father, would you help us be carriers of joy to these people that you've just brought to our mind and to everyone around us? We pray, God, that we would we would grow in our our choice to reflect joy in our countenance. No matter who we come across, Lord, that we would be a joyful people. And that joy would be contagious. It would multiply joy in the lives of everyone we come across. And it would strengthen and heal our relationships. So I pray that upon every person, upon all the relationships represented, Lord, here and watching. Blessings, an increase of joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we are here uh, with our conversation after the teaching, which I have not got to be a part of in a while, so I'm excited to be here with you guys. So, uh, um, so before the conversation begins, the st- 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 story about the guy who had the complaint bucket. Yes. Explain <laughs> that. I was, I was just kind of like, I don't understand the story. Well, I think... I didn't see the comic strip, but it sounded like it was just a comic strip where someone is complaining and the guy's basically, rather than helping him, he's basically saying, I'm sorry, my complaint bucket oh, is full. I can't and he just pushed him off a cliff, I think. But I didn't include that in the message. <laughs> okay. yeah. just, it gets like, dark really quick. But yeah. that imagery of the complaint bucket being full, I thought, oh, man, I think a lot of people feel that, you know? just yeah. to, In other words, just all, especially... People working at different places, and they're short-staffed, and all they're getting are complaints, right? Yeah. So, and then in contrast, there being a joy bucket, and yes, if the complaint bucket is full, it tends to feel like the joy bucket's empty. Absolutely. And I, I was thinking about the joy bucket a ton throughout the sermon, and like. If if the the joy bucket that I have has like this perpetual like vibrancy to it, that if I encounter people, I'm like pulling out this. It's like Mary Poppins. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't end. It's like there's this joy bu- bu- and mm. and so if um so I was thinking like this idea of the complaint bucket and the joy bucket and so if someone hands me something from the complaint bucket and I hand them something from the joy bucket and this like that superpower idea of how can I take people's complaints and turn it into joy it and, changes the yeah. grumpy nurse you know it, it yeah. really right. shifts somebody's feeling of being seen and being delighted it does and you don't even have to you don't say anything. You just change the way you're approaching them, and it actually neurologically and physiologically impacts them emotionally, and they start responding different. Because, again, they're responding out of joy now. Because I think it's not that... I don't think you could have the complaint bucket full and the joy bucket full. They're they're connected buckets, right? right. Yeah. And so if someone complaint bucket is full, it means their joy bucket is empty. Empty, yeah. Yep. Yeah. How easy it is for us to go to the complaint. It's, oh, it's such an easier route. I know. Because <laughs> when some, and I think too, like for me, there's almost this like 
they're saying something, they're complaining about something, and you agree, you might agree with it. And so you easily get on board in the complaining because you do, you want to agree with somebody because I'm thinking of even just my spouse, you know, mm. when they're complaining about something, you want to affirm them in that frustration and everything. Right. But what does it look like to change even the perspective if we're talking relationships? Yep. You know, how do you gently shift the the view and basically tell the truth at the same time that and thing i think crazy yeah yeah like um i was the like so, so, so i'm someone i always have to tell the truth like it's i, I can't i cannot pretend to be joyful if i yeah, don't I've. feel joy <laughs> it's like i can't do it like i can't conjure up a smile um so so if i'm joyful i'm actually joyful um, the thing that you said about people in the church being joyful towards people that are unchurched yep. toward the unbelievers, Believer. yep. and that comment that someone could say about the truth, right? And I was telling Jenny that to see someone and it, who cares who they are, to see them as God sees them you have to take joy in them because he does. And wow. so, so if, if someone says, but the truth, the thing is they're not experiencing the truth of who that person is. And joy is a superpower that gives them the ability to see someone as who they actually are. And the potential that that person doesn't even have a clue who they are because, and, and then it's that, that's how God sees us. Mm. That's how God pursued us. He took joy in us before I took joy in myself. Like, that's and that's powerful. the truth. It is. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It was it's like, a dichotomy, but we often, when I use truth that way, we often tend to think of it as informational right, truth, informational not relational truth. truth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's cool. like, man, I see mm. you beyond anything else. And yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. The, um, the, the, that. That idea that joy is contagious and the idea of being seen and seeing people how God sees them and that inspires this integrity of joy. Yeah, it's almost, it goes back to how our attitude to, towards someone we disagree with changes when we hear their story. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. You know? Yeah. And when we when we see more about them, or we understand their woundedness, or we experience someone as gruff, and then we find out they grew up in a home that was, you know, it was abusive, or all of a sudden it's like something shifts in our heart, you know, in terms of even the way Softened. we see it does, yeah. the way we see them, yeah, yeah, that's cool, it's fun, <laughs> it's, yeah, it turns it things is. fun, it does, it, I think too. Um, it's, I'm, I'm going to go back to what you talked about, even with kind of the complaint bucket, because I'm, I'm remembering a situation that happened to me last Friday night and we were waiting for a table at a restaurant and uh, they said, Oh, it'll be like 10, 10 to 15 minutes or something. Oh, no problem. No problem. And it was with a group of girls and the hostess came back up and she's like, I'm really I'm really sorry. I know she told you it's going to be about 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm thinking she's getting ready to tell us, like, they're not going to see it. Like, mm -hmm. we're done seeing people. And she's like, it's actually going to be about 20 to 30. And we're like, okay. Like, we're a whole bunch of mothers without children. We'll wait four <laughs> hours for a table yeah. tonight. This you is know? great. <laughs> and, 
But I was like, wow, she is so apologetic. Like I thought she was going to tell, you know, but that that's her, where she has to come into that space right now is to be that apologetic yeah. because of the uh, everyone's know, buckets are yes, full. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was just thinking about that. I was like, wow, that's really kind of where a lot of us are at right now. That that's that's what we're bringing to the community, to the people around us rather than it's not a big deal. Yeah, you know? and so it's so easy mm-hmm. to offer something else to yes. our culture today. Um, yes. Uh, so I got to tell you the story. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to Kenny as it happened. Um, so it was like a Sunday afternoon. I just got done with church. I have the kids. I'm really busy. And someone from our church send me a, sends me a text and says, do you have uh, C batteries? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, who, who gets this? C batteries anymore? <laughs> like those are like the big fat batteries. And so That's I just cracked a joke. That's what makes toys work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so I cracked a joke and I said, who does that? Like who has C batteries? And he's like, so I need four of them. That, that was toy, all they said. And then I said, can I go to the store and buy you four batteries? <laughs> and I was kind of like joking. He says, yes, press <laughs> please, or something like that. And I was like, okay. And so I, I thought it was just kind of funny because There's someone just, it was desperate. <laughs> so I got in the car, I go to King Supers, buy these big batteries. <laughs> And I go to his house, I knock on the door, he opens it, puts his hand out and says, thank you. And then he, and I, I took so much joy in just how it happened that I didn't, didn't even, even ask. ask. What he needed them for. And yeah, I don't he... want to know because it was so fun. Like, wow, that was amazing. And I, I said, text of the whole conversation. Look at this. Um, but I think like, Culturally, mm-hmm. hearts, uh, they're in that same spot. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, do you see me? I'm calling out for help. Uh, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the ability just to do tiny things that possibly aren't even important to us, but mm-hmm. to some people, it's like, thank you, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes that delighting in people can be serving people yeah you know it can be right. an act as well as an emotion and how much emotion comes out of that act yeah because yeah there'd be an easy it'd be easy just to i'm glad he didn't text me because i would have had a different <laughs> response like well, what the heck why are you asking me Go get burger, yourself. Right? <laughs> but there you know that kind of natural and we don't know the story yeah mm-hmm. i think even with complaint i mean we what if we before we complained at a restaurant, before we complain, we just assumed this person's complaint bucket is full. Yeah. Because I don't think we even think about mm-hmm. that. We know we ours We just think is, about our yeah. need has not been met. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to this person or I'm going to complain to this teacher about some, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. What if we assumed, because it's probably a pretty good assumption yeah. that right. most everyone's complaint bucket is pretty full. Yeah. Right now. Amen. And all people are like, trying the best they can it's like that like they're trying the best they can and the empathy that comes from that yeah i go back to a book that i read and at the end she did this whole chapter on uh 
the idea of assuming negative intent, you know, huh. and that we a lot of times will go towards we're assuming this person has negative intent as right. opposed to yeah that they're not, you know, but we assume that very quickly, and and I use that my husband and I even use la that language in our communication, you know, are you assuming that I have negative intent here because I yep. don't, you know, but I think we do that a lot. Is it possible? To just like break it all down and like going into the heart of the gospel, I guess that 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 God sees people. He he has joy. He 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 like dances kind of over people, and um, he pursued them. He died for them. And so so if I see somebody. And do not take joy, or it's the opposite. I have like these that that possibly I'm experiencing something um, that's contradictory to the thing that God is experiencing towards that person, and so I'm experiencing something possibly very untrue, kind of in a bigger right. picture to who that person at their core is and being people who testify to the truth it's being this pursuer of of joy in people because the thing on the surface could be untrue because they are unseen possibly even to themselves Did you, you know catch I mean? that? <laughs> and like, so like the people I can't stand to be around, uh -huh. is that simply untrue? Right. And that mm. that Jesus has come to testify to the truth. Yeah. You know. Okay. And I'm so it's like now. pursuing these people, calling them out, so that they can be seen as God sees them. They can and see themselves. Joy abounds. Yeah. Wow. How do you, what do you think of like an introvert extrovert thing um, as it relates to this? Because there are probably some great question. introverts that would be like, I'm I, an introvert. And I so don't. am I. I am very introverted. So, how I'm do not. you process that <laughs> if it, in terms of, because there is a demand probably for an introvert, more of a demand to want to actually delight in someone that they don't know or the grocery, you know, right. that's more effort, requires Work. more effort perhaps. How do you process that? Yeah, I th I, so I think um, I am very intentional about things. So, like the idea of going up to people I don't already know—that isn't something I feel really comfortable do, yep. do, doing. But I'm very intentional about the people, people I you know. do know, yep. um, because it's like, um, and so it's like, how do I do better at doing the that compared to I'm going to go yeah. out and like make everybody the feel the light. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's like a really good, yeah, that's a good uh, disclaimer or whatever because otherwise it would be exhausting if the idea is that everyone, I probably even yeah. said that in the message yeah. and maybe overstated <laughs> it. Yeah. Everyone you meet, yeah. you need to, I mean, that, there's a rhythm of intentionality. of a, it, That would be exhausting yeah. for introverts and probably anyone. Ex no, you just absolutely. can't and do it's, that. I think it's not, that isn't the job. That isn't the, you know, either requirement or, or the expectation. 
But I think it's it's this Holy Spirit moment of just like in anything else that we feel where we, we, we think of somebody, therefore we connect with them or something like that. But being awareness and having an attentiveness to the Spirit in these moments when you're yep. at checkout and be like, I'm going to connect with this person yep. now and yep. listening to that rather than it being, all, I need to connect with this person. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. But no, this is the moment. This is the time. Yeah, and there's the integrity of it mm-hmm. again because to have that perspective of I'm going to do it for, for everyone, it's going to like spiral into that hypocrisy thing of the, the, fake. the yeah. father who's kind out in public but to his own son right. is a... Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. And I would just say, like, joy is, is sometimes it's all about perspective and it's about, like, practicing, showing it. So, yeah. so do it at home and don't, you know, yep. just yeah. focus at home. Yeah. You know, focus at home and then expand it a bit. Focus yeah, it's like, it, it, like, no, that's good. Yeah. It's like building our delight muscle. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about building joy muscle in the past, but I think it is. It's a practice we need to grow in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you start with your family, start with your friends, and then begin growing that. And if you're not great in public, maybe somebody already has grown a lot and they'll bring delight in you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but it's possibly, it's it's a bunch simpler to do it in public to, and have this very surfacey yeah, experience of joy because you don't, don't truly see that mm-hmm. person. But at home, yeah, that's mm-hmm. hard. I, Mariana might have said this in a past thing, but she had shown me um, just a GIF on her phone uh, that was so good. And, and I'll probably not say it exactly right, but it talked about like when we're stressed and we're in a hurry, the first thing to go is our kindness. Yeah. And I yep. keep thinking of that, especially at home. Or hungry. Or, <laughs> yeah, it could be that <laughs> That's too. you. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I think of that, like, don't lose my kindness in this yeah. moment. That's good. You know, and so when we are have our our complaints are building up when we're when we're out in public or at home, like don't lose that kindness. Yeah, like that's really hang good. on to that. Yep. Everyone deserves it. Yep. Good. That was awesome. That was fun. All right, so it's. I want to go to a store and be really kind to somebody. Oh, nice. <laughs> or you can just go home and All be right. kind to your husband, Jenny. <laughs> I'll do that. Which is much harder. I'll start there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good. Have a good one.